just seems more appropriate and more intimate that I read the gospel among you here today. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazorian. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise Please be seated. <clears throat> the refugees. Into the wild and painful cold of the starless winter night came the refugees, slowly making their way to the border. The man, stooped from age or anxiety, hurried his small family through the wind. Bearded and dark, his skin rough and cracked from the cold, his frame looming large in spite of the slumped shoulders. He looked like a man who could take care of whatever came at him from the dark. Unless, of course, there were too many of them. One man he could handle, two, even, but a border patrol? They wouldn't have a chance. His eyes, black and alert, darted from side to side, then over his shoulder, then back again forward. Had they been seen? Had they been heard? Every rustle of wind, every sigh from the child, sent terror through his chest. Was this the way? Even the stars had been unkind, had hidden themselves in the ink of night, 
so that the man could not read their way. Only the wind, was it enough? Only the wind and his innate sense of direction. What kind of a cruel judgment would that be to wander in circles through the night? or to safely make their way to the border, only to find the authorities waiting for them. He glanced at the young woman, his bride, no more than a child herself. She nuzzled their newborn, kissing his neck. She looked up, caught his eye, and smiled. Oh, how the homelessness had taken its toll on her. Her eyes were red, her young face lined, her lovely hair matted from inattention, her clothes stained from milk and baby, her hands chapped from the raw wind of winter. She'd hardly had time to recover from childbirth when word had come that they were hunted and they fled only with a little bread the remaining wine, and a very small portion of cheese. Suddenly, the child began to make small noises. The man drew his breath in sharply. The woman quietly put the child to breast. Fear, long, dread-filled moments. Huddled, the family stood still in the long silence. At last, the man breathed deeply again reassured that they had not been heard. And into the night continued Mary and Joseph and the babe. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. There really isn't anything more stunningly beautiful than a winter sky on the prairie, especially at dawn or sunset, is there? The blazing colors spanning across the horizon have the capacity to take our breath away. When I see deep shades of pink at sunrise, my default words have become, when morning gilds the skies, my heart awakening cries. May Jesus Christ be praised. The text of this hymn leaps off my tongue at the beauty and wonder of it all. If the phenomenal colors aren't enough to capture our attention, then surely the sun dogs on crisp, frigid winter days will. Framing the sun like a pair of parentheses or cupped hands, those sun dogs elevate the wow factor exponentially. And how about the sight of steam pouring from a manufacturing plant's smokestack, suspended in bone-chilling temps, above the building as if mysterious gauzy creatures were lounging on imaginary mats in the crystal blue sky. Ah, for the beauty of a winter prairie sky. 
And today, while conjuring up these fantastic mental images of awe and delight, we are stopped abruptly in our tracks by the jarring and repulsive story from Matthew about King Herod and his horrific plot to try and destroy that, or rather, the who, which threatens him. The massacre of the innocents is the heading for those gut-wrenching verses in some biblical texts. Just days ago, we were gathered to picture in our minds bleeding sheep, cooing doves, a manger, and a swaddled newborn infant Jesus, who, according to one beloved carol that we sang just minutes ago, even when being awakened by cattle lowing, no crying he makes. How quickly things change. One commentator compared this text about Herod's evil plot to a glass of ice water being thrown in our faces to remind us of the reality that sweeps in as a result of the birth we've just experienced. It's the shadow side of Christmas. And if you're like me, maybe you want to hold up your hands and say, ah, excuse me, could we just linger a little longer in the sweetness of the real Christmas, according to Luke chapter 2? Were we naive enough to believe that with the birth story of Jesus once again, that this year the world would be at peace? This year all children would be safe? This year illness and despair would be gone? This year troubles will end? Could Christmas possibly make a difference this year? Pastor David Loos writes that we've been accustomed to the idea of divine love and of God's coming at Christmas, that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. We are indifferent to the message, taking only the pleasant and the agreeable out of it and forgetting the serious aspect that the God of the world draws near to the people of our little earth and lays claim to us. Suddenly, those brilliant sun dogs in the sky have been replaced by pesky questions and troubling situations that dog us as we wander through this life, wondering about all sorts of matters of faith. I wonder as I wander, and maybe you do too. In a little repositioning of the Sunday Gospel narratives, we find that we've jumped over the text of the wise men following the star to find the child Jesus. We'll hear more of that epiphany story next Sunday. The Magi had come to Jerusalem asking about a child who had been born King of the Jews. King Herod felt threatened by the wise men's questions. So when his chief priests told Herod that the baby had been born in Bethlehem. Herod sent the wise men to that city with orders to alert him when they found Jesus. The wise men set off, led by a star, to Bethlehem where they found the child. Stay tuned for more of that story. Today's gospel picks up at that point 
Warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the wise men took an alternate path home. Herod, seemingly lacking a strong moral compass and wanting to keep things as they were, proceeded with his senseless evil scheme to snuff out the lives of young children. This text is almost too painful to read. But even with all its appalling grittiness, we need to listen. It tells us the truth of the world Jesus was born into, the world in which still today Jesus comes to make his home. I wonder as I wander, and maybe you do too. There's nothing far-fetched about today's reading. Mary and Joseph, having been warned by an angel in a dream that Jesus' life was in danger, fled in the night to Egypt, a foreign country, to avoid the carnage, and remained there until Herod's death sometime later. Poet and chaplain of Girton College in Cambridge, England, Malcolm Greet, writes in his book, Waiting on the Word, quote, The story of Herod's jealous rage and the massacre of the innocents would be too appalling to bear were we not called upon to contemplate it almost every day in the news. What Herod did then is still being done across the world by tyrants who would sooner kill innocent people than lose their grip on power. This scarred and wounded world is the one into which Jesus was born, the world he came to save among those brought by his blood through the grave and gate of death to the bliss of heaven are those children of Bethlehem who died for his name without ever knowing him. But he knows them, as he knows and loves every child in Syria, Iraq, and Pakistan and other terrorized places near and far in this world, I might add. And he says of them to every Herod, as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. From Matthew 25. I wonder, and maybe you do too, as you wander about how to relate the flight of Mary and Joseph and Jesus to what is happening in our world today. Is the experience of the Christ child any different from those children being carried in desperation out of war-torn countries in search of safety and refuge? On social media recently, I've seen a haunting picture depicting, a painting depicting this gospel text with a mother clutching her young child. Absolute terror in her eyes, hiding below a stone staircase as soldiers stormed down the steps, searching for their victims. Those innocent children have no comprehension of what has destroyed any hope for peace in their daily life, no awareness of the clashes between rulers or the influence of wicked people out to destroy and harm those who get in their way as they pursue power. Malcolm Guit calls this fleeing the wrath of someone else's quarrel. 
How many children are being displaced as we gather this morning? How many children are starving as we make our way through the last of the Christmas leftovers? When we look around at the people in this room, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, how many are bearing, bearing, bearing wounds, physical or emotional, secretly or openly, enduring a life of cruelty? How many are hanging by the most tenuous of threads as they try to protect themselves from real or perceived threats? As Christians, aren't we called to wonder about these hard questions? David Lose writes that God becomes human to overturn the system of power, intimidation, and self-preservation that Herod represents. It would be easier to understand this gospel if Herod was an out-and-out monster. He wasn't. Evil rarely presents itself as a beast with horns, fangs, and claws. Usually it dresses itself up in respectability. It burrows into systems that we rely on to keep our societies from spinning into chaos. Evil rarely acts alone. Tyranny and arrogance can't exist in a vacuum. They demand accomplices. They survive because their enablers are also contributors. Herod was a savvy politician who knew how to use deception and arrogance to advance his ends. Close quote. The kind of resistance to God's reign that is exhibited by Herod is alive and well today. I wonder about these things as I wander, and perhaps you do too. Writer, pastor, and activist John Pavlovitz in the daily devotional I've used during Advent, titled Lo, an honest Advent devotional, writes, every person around you has their Herod. That threatening, terrifying, and persistent thing that assails them, the relentless fear bringer that will not let them rest. With a listening ear or an act of simple kindness, step into their urgency and their unrest today. Bring the hope that offers them escape and helps them see a day beyond this one and find a way to get them to Egypt. Last Sunday, we opened our worship singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, incarnate God, God who took on flesh and human trials, experiencing all that we do, fear, loss, disappointments, violence, and even death. We're not alone. God makes a home with and in us. It would be our profound loss if the message of Christmas lingered in our minds as merely a sentimental story. Tugging at our heartstrings in the midst of the aroma of the Swedish meatballs, the Fraser fir candles, and the spiced cider warming on the stove. Greet 
also writes, we mustn't trivialize the nativity scene. As our houses are deluged in a cascade of cozy Christmas images, glittery frosted cards and happy holy families who seem to be remarkably comfortable in strangely clean stables. We can lose track of the essential gospel truth that the world into which God chose to be born for us was then, as now, fraught with danger and menace. Indeed, we will not understand the light that shines at Christmas if we remove the dark backdrop. Everyday life can be as beautiful as a winter prairie sunrise or sunset. Praise God for God's goodness and grace. But often life is painful, disappointing, and filled with heartache. God is at work in our sorrows as well. God embraces us, promising to be with us through the good and the bad, and to never abandon us. God promises that nothing can separate us from God's enduring love. The Christmas story begins with the birth of a baby boy, but doesn't end there. That baby grows to adulthood, brings the message of God's love and mercy to a hurting world, always takes the side of those who are outcast, oppressed, and marginalized, is crucified by the political rulers who found him to be a threat to their power, dies and rises to new life again. The Christmas story surrounds us today as the Savior Jesus draws us all into the embrace of this same story, leading us to new life out of the challenges and shadows that cross our paths. Love is stronger than evil. Jesus doesn't see us from a distant place in Bethlehem. God makes a home with us forever. No petty tyrant, no heartbreak, no circumstance. Nothing can separate us from God now that God's home is with us. And that is indeed good news to ponder under a prairie sky. Thanks be to God. Amen. Mm -hmm.